Great to see you today, New Spring Church at all of our campuses. Welcome to our gatherings as we open up God's word and worship the Lord. I'm Clayton King, one of the pastors here. I hope that your grass is green. I hope that your team is winning. I hope that school is going well for you. Uh, I wanna do something right off the bat today before we continue in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Today is September the 11th and God in his sovereignty allowed me the great privilege to preach today. And uh, I love being a part of a church where we do ministry in team. And today is my day to preach this message. And I wanna honor uh, some folks today. But before I do that, I wanna ask if you were alive, I want you to remember where you were on September 11th when America was attacked. I can remember my wife and I had been married just a few years and we were at the chiropractor's office in North Carolina where we lived at the time. And I'll never forget when uh, those first planes hit the towers, um, we turned the TV on and of course every station was talking about the attack. And then for the next week, it felt like we didn't even go to bed. We just kept our TV turned on and we were praying for our country. And now here we are 21 years later and I just wanna address a few things. First of all, I wanna honor our law enforcement, our military service members, our first responders. I wanna honor those communities of people who lay it on the line, and the hair on my arms is standing up right now, every single day so that we can enjoy the freedoms we get to experience right here in the United States of America. Just thank you on behalf of our church, but, on, but for me personally, I wanna say thank you for what you do and for how you keep us safe and for, and for risking everything. We're not a perfect country, but we're a great country. And we're a country where people from all over the world wish they could come and live here and experience the kind of freedoms and opportunities we get right here. I also just wanna say that it's my honor today to preach this message on, uh, on September 11th from the words of Jesus in this series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. Speaking of service members, if you're new at New Spring, you're visiting today, you may not know, but um, I do a lot of ministry at the YMCA and I do a lot of ministry in the sauna, the steam room at the YMCA. So if you're a guy and you end up with me and some other guys in the steam room at the YMCA, there's a really good chance you're gonna be a sermon illustration here at New Spring. I always get permission before I do this. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. I think this will help us think about the words of Jesus as we continue to get heaven's view on the things that we deal with every day. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's the King of Kings telling kingdom people how to do kingdom things. And that's what we're talking about in this series. So yesterday I'm in the sauna, an older gentleman walks in and we begin to strike up a conversation. He tells me that his name is Bill. Bill is 80 years old. And Bill asked me if I was in the military. I said, no, I'm not. I didn't serve in the military. Um, but my grandfather was a World War II vet. He was in the Navy. And Bill says, oh, I'm retired from the Navy. I was a pilot. I served in Vietnam. I said, do you know my good friend, David King? He said, I've heard of David. He was also a pilot in Vietnam. How do you know David? I said, well, David and I go to church together. He says to me, so where do you go to church? I said, I go to New Spring, Bill goes, oh, that's where I go to church. I said, so what do you think about the preaching at New Spring? He goes, oh, I, I like it, I like it. I, I like that girl, I like that other guy from that other place, talks funny, Dan Leanne. 
I was like, what about the, what about the tall, bald guy? He goes, he's great. It's you. I said, it sure is. I said, you coming to church tomorrow? He said, yes, I am. What's the subject matter? And with his permission, I'm telling this story. I said, well, tomorrow we're gonna look in Matthew chapter five and we're gonna let Jesus teach us some things about how to be kingdom people doing kingdom things. And, uh, and I said, the four points of the message are, and I rattled off the four points. And he said, I'm gonna have trouble with that last one. Which one? Turn the other cheek. I said, really? He said, yes, because I was trained to not turn the other cheek. I can't do that. I can't do that. I know I'm 80 years old. He said this. I know Jesus said that, but I can't do it. I said, neither can I, Bill. None of us can. In the power of our flesh, None of us has the ability to keep any of the commands of Jesus, but we do have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And the Holy Spirit in us is greater than any power around us. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do what our King Jesus told us to do. He said, oh, I'm coming tomorrow because I gotta see what you're gonna say. So with that in mind, I want us to learn from Jesus today. And I want to put my cards on the table. This is a hard message for me to preach because I am a rule breaker. Anybody a rule breaker at New Spring today? Any rule breakers? And you know, when you get married, you're going to marry a rule follower. That's just God's sense of humor. I married a rule follower. I'm, my wife is always the one saying, you can't park right here. I'm like, why not? Because there's a sign that says no parking, but that doesn't apply to me. I'm immune to the rules. No, they will lock you up. No, no, my truck is big enough to park on top of that Prius. I can park here. And so what I wanna show you from the, the scripture we're gonna look at today is simply this, to, to get us in the mindset of this message, the letter of the law, that's what Jesus is addressing here today. The letter of the law creates legal loopholes, okay? I'm really good at finding the legal loophole to get me out of any rule I don't like. I am. Speed limit sign says 55. Everybody drives 70. And I've got a 6.7 liter diesel in this F-250, I can go faster. I'm always looking for the legal loophole. Jesus is addressing the legal loopholes that the, and we all know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the rulers of the law. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, we've already heard this in this series and we'll continue to hear this, uh, that Jesus talks about repentance. Jesus talks about getting heaven's view on the matter, whatever that matter is. And so Jesus is trying to help us understand, stop looking for legal loopholes. And that's why he uses the phrase, you have heard it said this way, but I'm gonna say it to you a different way, a kingdom way. Jesus is trying to help us see the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law creates kingdom people doing kingdom things. That's what the spirit of the law does. And we've learned this and we'll continue throughout this series on the Sermon on the Mount that our King is Jesus. He is inaugurating the kingdom of God and he's making us into kingdom women and kingdom men and kingdom kids doing kingdom things. But we are part of a different kingdom that is not an empire, it's a kingdom. 
We're not part of an empire like the Roman Empire. We're part of the kingdom that belongs to King Jesus. We get to do kingdom things. So I'm gonna read some scripture to you from Matthew 5. It'll be up on the screens. And I want you to, when we're done, I'm gonna pull four simple commands from Jesus. These are also promises that we can do these things. I wanna tell you before I read the scripture, if you will do these four things, you will be countercultural. If you will do these four things, you will be revolutionary. And let me even change that up. When you do these things, you bring the kingdom of God with you. When you do these things, you show people who King Jesus is and what King Jesus is about. I'm not gonna say if, I'm gonna speak prophetically to you as one of your pastors. When we as the church of the living God do these four things and take these things seriously, the world will be forced to pay attention to who our King is because it'll be so different than the world around us. Y'all ready? All right, I got two hours worth of content and 20 minutes to preach it so y'all listen fast. Again, Jesus said, again, you have heard that it was said, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. I will add, you cannot make one hair grow. Just wanna throw that in there. It's not Jesus' words, it's mine. Verse 37, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You, you have heard it said, this is the letter of the law here. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, that means your, your jacket, let him have your cloak as well. In other words, give him the shirt off your back. And if anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, letter of the law, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies? Really? I mean, this is Jesus. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that, here's the reason, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? I'm gonna take four direct commands and promises from Jesus. And I'm gonna show you how the king has empowered kingdom men and women to do kingdom things. And if you do these, and when you do these four things, you are bringing the kingdom of God with you everywhere you go. First of all, as simply as I know how to say it, number one, tell the truth. Telling the truth is an act of revolution in this world right now. We live in a world filled with spin. People giving their narrative. People telling their truth. 
And Jesus is saying here to them, when you say what you're gonna do, when you use words from your mouth, you don't have to swear by the temple in Jerusalem. You don't have to prove that you're telling the truth by swearing by the hair on your head or the crown that you wear or the name of your ancestors. It's hard for us to understand this as Americans, but in, in Israel, they would swear by the temple. If a Pharisee or a Sadducee or even a, a normal Jewish person was trying to promise you that they were telling the truth, they would say, I swear by the temple. Now that doesn't make sense to us, but if you're from the South, or if you joined us from some other region of the world and you're in the South now, you've probably heard our version of swearing by the temple. You ready for it? I swear by my mama's grave. I swear on my grandma's life. Why do we do that? Because everybody loves grandma. Even if she's been with Jesus for 30 years, everybody loves grandma. Even if you haven't taken flowers to grandma's grave in a decade, everybody loves grandma. I swear on my grandma's grave. I swear on my mother's life. What we're doing is we're trying to pull something that has greater value, that's bigger and more transcendent than us. You know what Jesus is saying? Quit doing that. Quit doing that. Kingdom people do kingdom things and kingdom people tell the truth. Kingdom people don't spin. Kingdom people don't embellish. Kingdom people say what is true. And this is a conviction I have personally. I'm not saying I've never lied. I have lied a lot. When I was a kid, I used to lie all the time and I got caught and my dad disciplined me for it and I learned a lesson. But I'm saying that kingdom people filled with the spirit have an obligation to speak truthfully. How much would our world change? How much would your life change? How much more kingdom life could we bring into our workplace, our school, our relationships if we just chose to speak truthfully and tell the truth? Don't have to swear by the, by, by the temple. Don't have to swear on grandma's grave. Just tell the truth. I wrote, I wrote these two questions down. Let me just pose these to you before I move to point number two. New Spring, can I ask you a question? And, and this is Hilton Head, this is Myrtle Beach, this is Florence and Greenwood, this is Lake Wiley, this is Greenville. Can people trust your character? Can people trust your character? This sounds like good old-fashioned common sense, but, but there's a reason why Jesus said these words. He knew this was kingdom value here. Do, do you live with integrity? Do I live with integrity? Mark Twain had a quote that I'll, I love and quote often. He said, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. Tell the truth. Number two, keep your word. Just do what you say you're gonna do. Keep your word. Jesus said this here in Matthew chapter five. It is so simple. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, make a decision, make a commitment and then just keep it. This was a big deal in that day. Remember, Jesus is in Galilee in the northern region of, of Israel. We had a team that just got back from there a few days ago and another team that's there right now and Shari and I, God willing, will be there in six weeks. I love this area where Jesus is teaching. He's teaching primarily to Jews. There are some Gentiles there who are listening to this uh, message where Jesus is preaching through what we now call the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is is telling them some things, but there's also a subtext. And the subtext is not everybody does this. The subtext is um, not all of y'all do this, but I'm telling you that you can, you can keep 
your word. Um, I was having a conversation with Riley Cummings. He's our Anderson campus pastor, good friend of mine, backstage before the service today. He'd heard my uh, run through, my sermon points. Riley pulled me aside. He goes, Clayton, you know this because you and I are in pastoral conversations with people every day. If people would just do those first two points, 95% of all the problems we face would fix themselves. We have a lot of college students at New Spring. We have a lot of students at New Spring in general. Can I just tell you, it's not just an old-fashioned value that you keep your word. It's a biblical value that you keep your word. Jesus himself kept his word. Jesus didn't just tell us to do what we say we're gonna do. Jesus did it. Jesus laid his life down. Jesus said no to temptation. Jesus emptied himself and became a man. Keeping your word means if you tell people, I'll be there at seven, you don't laugh it off that you typically show up at 7.15. Keeping your word, let me just say what it means for me. I can't, I ain't trying to judge y'all because I know some of y'all, you're like obsessed with time and some of y'all don't even know it exists. But this is a small practical thing. If I say I'm gonna be there at seven, I'm gonna be there at 6.55, probably gonna be there at 6.45. And I drive my friends crazy. They're like, daddy, we don't need to get there so early. I said, my friends, I guess I just told you it's my kids. <laughs> daddy, you're so obsessed with time. We don't need to leave right now. But what if there's a wreck on 85? What if, what if we get pulled over? What if there's a, a storm that comes through? What if? And it's not even just the practicality of it, it's just the integrity of it. Can people count on you? Can people trust you? I hope in South Carolina, let me, I'm gonna quit saying I hope, I'm gonna start declaring things. In South Carolina, the Christians that are a part of our family here at New Spring will be known for their integrity, for their character, for keeping their word and for doing what they say. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. We all mess up, I mess up, I drop the ball all the time. I will say with the apostle Paul, I am the chief of sinners. But you know what keeping your word also means? It means that you kill victim mentality. Quit blaming, uh, I'm sorry, I'm preaching loud. Quit, no I'm not, I'm just gonna let it go. Um, quit blaming everybody else. Quit pointing your finger at your elementary school teachers and how they jacked you up. Quit blaming your mom or your dad. They painted, my, they painted my, my room the wrong color or I didn't go to church enough or I wasn't raised with a godly legacy. Listen, there are, there's plenty of blame to go around. Stop doing that. We're kingdom people. We don't have to blame anybody. Jesus took the blame. Jesus took the blame. Jesus took all the sin, all, all, the, all the penalty, all the punishment. Just keep your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do what you say. Don't have to swear an oath. Just be a man or a woman, kingdom people doing kingdom things. It's a kingdom thing to keep your word. Maybe that's a tithe. You started tithing in January. You said, I'm gonna tithe this year and you quit in March. Keep your word, start tithing again. Dad, maybe you said, I'm gonna read the Bible with my family this year and you did it for the 21 days of prayer and then you stopped. Hey dad, you know what? You can do it. Keep your word. Blame it on me. Go back home today and say, Pastor Clayton said, I need to start reading the Bible with y'all again. I don't care how you get there. Just open up the word and read it with your family again. Listen, when we mess up, we fess up and we get up and we start over. Just keep your word. Number three, y'all ready? Okay, I got two more to go and I'm gonna get really fired up on this. Number three, go the extra mile. What in the world is this all about? Well, the first mile is the obligation. The second mile is the opportunity. 
What is Jesus talking about here when he says, go the extra mile? Quick little interesting factoid here, and I geek out over this stuff. Israel was under the control of the Roman Empire, and Roman soldiers had the authority to compel any Jewish man or woman to carry whatever burden that Roman soldier was carrying around with them for up to one mile. And the Roman roads all had mile markers on them. You can still see them today in former Roman countries and colonies. So a Roman soldier could be carrying a bag of salt or a bag of gold coins or whatever, and they could stop you and say, I command you to carry my burden for one mile. This is who Jesus is talking to. And he says, hey, you wanna, you wanna get people's attention? You wanna really stand out? You wanna be countercultural and revolutionary? When that Roman soldier whom you hate, you know, because you've heard it said, hate your enemies and love your friends. I'm telling you, love your enemy. Who's my enemy? The Romans. So when that Roman soldier says, come here, you Jewish peasant, and they hand you a 50-pound bag of salt, which is how they paid salaries. It's where we get our word salary from. You carry that bag, you put that bag up on your shoulder and you carry that bag for a mile and when your lower back is killing you and your hamstrings are tight and your hips are burning and the sweat is dripping off of your nose and he says, now you can lay the bag down. You look at that Roman soldier and now you have, whoo, get, are y'all ready? Are you ready for what you're about to receive from the Lord? Now you have graduated from obligation and you are now into a whole new place of promise. You're in opportunity now. You have gone from JV to PhD. Excuse me, Mr. Soldier. I would actually be willing and would like to carry this bag another mile for you. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I know in theory I'm supposed to do that. I'm not gonna do that. But I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you right now, you must do that. You belong to me. I will empower you to do that. I will give you the grace to do that. I will convict you when you don't do it and give you the power to actually do it. Now you've gone from, this is my obligation to, let me tell you why I did this for you. What if you did this at your school? What if you did this in your classes? What if you did this with your teachers? What if you did this with your coaches? What if instead of you and I trying to get away with doing the least amount possible, we actually did more than was required of us? What if instead of showing up to class and we haven't done any work and we're hoping that there's no quiz, what if we worked ahead? And what if we helped the people in our class that didn't really understand the material? What if you asked your teacher, is there anything I can do for you? First of all, you're gonna bless your teacher. Second of all, you're probably gonna get an A. There's a blessing to go in the second mile, the extra mile. Not long ago, my family, we were flying internationally to Africa. And there were delays, this is pre-COVID, and I used to fly another airline a lot, but we were flying Delta that day, and I thought we were gonna miss our trip to get to Africa where I was gonna be preaching, and I was not gonna miss it. And this lady at Delta, thank you God for the second mile principle, this lady at Delta is helping me at the, at the little kiosk, and she goes, Mr. King, I am so sorry you've had trouble. Here at this gate, our motto is, we're gonna go the extra mile. I'm gonna upgrade you and your family to Comfort Plus. And I was like, you're, you're going the extra mile for me? She goes, yes, I am. We wanna exceed your expectations. Can I tell y'all a little secret? 
When it comes to Delta Airlines now, I'm like, take my money, take all my money. I'm gonna make it rain up in this Delta kiosk right now. I don't wanna fly American or, or United anymore if I can fly Delta, why? That one woman did a kingdom thing. You can do this, I can do this. We can go the extra mile and when we do, the opportunity is there and we can tell people it's because of Jesus. Okay, one more. Here's the good one. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. A buddy Bill told me yesterday, I can't do that. I'm like, I know you can't, but by God's grace, you can through the Holy Spirit. It's gonna ask this question. What if we turned every offense into an opportunity? Because that's what's going on here. We live in a country that is perpetually offended by everybody and everything. We are the United States of the offended. We are. What if as kingdom people, following King Jesus, who had the most offensive thing ever done to a human being done to him, he never committed a single sin and they didn't just say bad things about him on social media. They murdered him. What if we let our king be the example of turning the other cheek? How would we change our world for Jesus? When Jesus actually says to turn the other cheek, he's talking about, if you can just imagine this with me, he uses right and left cheek. Now, what in the world does that have? Who cares if it's a right or left cheek, right? Because if you come back and you slap somebody, but that's not what was going on. An open hand slap would, would have been, if you're right-handed, would have hit somebody on their left cheek. He literally says, if they strike you on your right cheek, turn to them your left. Watch. Again, Southern culture, all right? Also Jewish culture, Roman culture. This was a Roman soldier backhanding a subject. Roman soldier with their right hand slapping somebody on their right cheek with the back of their hand. That was not meant to hurt someone. It was meant to shame them. You wanna hurt somebody, you draw back and you punch somebody. We like to talk about punching people in the face, punching people in the throat, punching up, punching down, punching left, punching right. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Hmm. We all know that Jesus said it. But what Jesus is saying is when you turn the left cheek to them, you can't do that, but my spirit and you can. My kingdom is different. When you do that, you know what you get to do? You get to prove that you're the bigger woman, that you're the bigger man, and that the reason why you're bigger than the person that just backhanded you is not because you're better than them, it's because you have a king that you follow. And you're part of a kingdom that does not retaliate. You're part of a kingdom that is looking for an opportunity. You're part of a kingdom that wants a chance to just say, can I tell you why I don't jump into every conversation online and give all of my 14 opinions? Can I tell you why I don't get upset when I'm in line at Target or Starbucks or the gas station or wherever I am and they get my order wrong or they don't give me the correct change or they can't get my credit card to work? Can I tell you why I'm not the person at the job site who, 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 
runs around the rumor mill saying, have you heard this and have you heard that? Can I tell you why I don't cheat in class? Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why when all the guys or the girls are in the locker room and they're talking about getting high, getting drunk, sleeping around, having sex, can I tell you why I don't laugh at the racist joke? Can I tell you why I don't hop in when they're talking about what they did on the weekend and they're talking about somebody that's not there to defend themselves? Can I tell you why I don't do that? Can I tell you why I turn the other cheek when I have a chance to be offended? Because my king's name is Jesus and he set the example for me. Wouldn't you like to be a part of a kingdom like that? You see, you can turn every offense into an opportunity. Best way I know how to drive this story home, and trust me, I'm not the hero of this story. It's kind of embarrassing to tell. I like to fight, and I don't mean like with my words. I mean like fight. I grew up in Fountain Inn, South Carolina. Y'all don't know nothing about Fountain Inn. F-I till I die, 29644. Y'all don't know nothing about Fountain Inn. I grew up fighting with my best friends. I had fist fights in, in football games with helmets on and I, breaking knuckles just because I wouldn't stop. So when Jesus saved me, he's still saving me from this. That's why it's the sense of humor of my savior to give me this passage of everybody on our teaching team. Now, I can't see Dan Leanne fist fighting anybody. I mean, now Brad Cooper, I know. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Me and Brad, yeah, I'm, praise God we both got saved because, you know, I was... I just got engaged to Shari, it was 1998. I just put a ring on her finger. We're coming back late one night for an event. We're not married yet, we're engaged. And there's, it's about midnight. There's a young lady hitchhiking down Highway 74 in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, where we used to live. So we picked her up because it looked very dangerous. And I said, I'll take you wherever you need to go. And so she gets in the back seat. We drive her to an apartment complex. It's Halloween night. And when we pull into the parking lot of the Halloween of, of the uh, apartment complex, there was a Halloween party going on, but people weren't like wearing costumes. They were smoking weed, drinking beer. There was really loud music. There was a lot of, a lot of dancing. Uh, a lot of, there were a lot of people there, probably 75, maybe 100 people. And it just looked, it looked like they were having a good time, but I, I didn't want to be there. It just looked scary. And the girl that we drop off, she goes, hey, y'all might want to leave really fast. It's not a, good, not a good time to be here. This after midnight. So she gets out of the car. She walks through an apartment door and Shari is sitting beside me in the passenger seat. She shuts her door and immediately the door flies open and it's a kid. I say a kid, he's probably 16, 17 years old. He opens a door and looks at my fiance, my wife Shari and goes, what's up girl? You wanna party? And then he put his right hand on the inside of her knee. And when I, t- when I tell you <laughs> that my blood went to 220 degrees Fahrenheit, I saw stars, ding, ding, bells, sirens, whistles. I went into caveman mode and I literally, like you don't understand, I'm telling you, I like to fight. So I reach over, just watch this, okay? I reach over with my right hand, I'm at the steering wheel, and I grab his arm, I grab his wrist with my right hand. I said, don't touch my fiance. Well, when I did that, I literally turned my cheek to him. Here's the motion. Expose my left cheek. He let go of her and sucker punched me with his fist. And when he hit me, I saw Julie Andrews dancing around on the top of a mountain in Austria singing The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music. Blood goes everywhere. Shari covered up her eyes like this because, you know, she didn't want to see it. 
He hits me and then the coward runs off. And I'm like, just like a coward. Chicken, don't want to fight. Let's go. I'm the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I'm the man of the hour, the tower of power. Too sweet to be sour. I mean, I was ready to fight. I grabbed the door handle to get out of my truck to chase him down. I was going to go kick that door in and pull him out. I'm not thinking one second about how I'm about to die. There's 75 people, 100 people maybe at that party. They're all friends with him. They don't know me. The girl had already warned us we don't need to be there. Drunk, high, partying. I'm by myself. There is no way in this world, but I'm, I'm dumb. In the moment, all I can do is taste my own blood and feel the adrenaline. That's a dangerous place to be. And as soon as I grabbed the door handle, the Holy Spirit stopped me. Don't do that. You ever argue with the Holy Spirit? You ever tell the Holy Spirit to shut up? I mean, not that I've ever done that. I'm sure some of y'all have. I, I would never do that. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is an opportunity. And so going back to my conversation with Bill at the Y yesterday in the sauna, you can't turn the other cheek in your flesh. Only Jesus can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a new kingdom. It's a new kingdom we're a part of. So I get out, blood dripping on my shirt. And these two big guys walk up to me and they're like, hey, get back in your car and get out of here. You don't need to be here. You're gonna get hurt. I'm like, guys, uh, he's gonna have to apologize. They said, he's not apologizing. Get out of here. You're about to get killed. I said, well, guys, here's the deal. I'm not gonna fight you. Because first of all, y'all are way bigger than me. Second of all, I'm a Christian and I'm not gonna fight you. But he's gonna apologize to my fiance. So y'all can either kill me in cold blood right here or y'all can go get him. But I'm not leaving until he apologizes. I was under the control of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Weakness in my flesh, strong in the spirit. They went and got the guy. They brought him back out. He apologized to my fiance. And I said, hey, while I've got all of y'all here, this is a true story. Ask my wife if you don't believe me, she'll testify the whole thing. I said, while I've got all of y'all here, I need to tell y'all, bunch of y'all going to hell. It was a taste of my own blood, man, I'm telling you. I said, I'm gonna preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of y'all, and, and you might like it, you might not like it. They had also stopped the music, so I was like, God just gave me a chance. And I stood, they circled up around me. They really did. And I was like, the Bible says you're all sinners. The Bible says if you're lost without Jesus and you die, you spend eternity in hell. But the good news is you can give your life to Jesus and you can change everything. And I wish I could tell y'all everybody got saved that night. But the truth is, remember, tell the truth, nobody got saved. But I got away with my life. Six months later, Shari and I uh, had just gotten married. We're sitting in Don's Pancake House in Shelby, North Carolina. And these four guys walk in and they walk past our table. They were holding uh, job applications. They walk past our table. They kind of look at us and they go in the back and a few minutes later, they come back out. And this guy goes, it is him. It is him, that crazy preacher. You're the one that Pee Wee sucker punched on Halloween. The other three go, oh my God, it's him. I was like, hey, you guys want to sit down for a second? And I'm, I'm not kidding. Those four guys sat down at the table with me and Shari. And I just shared the gospel with them again. Nobody got saved. But you know what it did? It gave me a really great story today, a true story to tell you that when it happens in real life, it proves it's not a theory. This is real. 
And when Jesus said we can do these things, he wasn't joking around. We can be kingdom people doing kingdom things because our king said so and because our king gives us the power to do so. Tell the truth, keep your word, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna invite everybody right now to stand up on your feet, every campus, every one of our locations. Let's, let's get ready to respond. During this series, we are responding. We're building a deep culture of response at our church. And I wanna tell you the ways that you can respond. You can respond by singing and worship right where you are. You can respond by giving. There are places in your campus, in your room where you can give. You can respond by going to receive prayer. We have ministry teams that are ready. As a matter of fact, let me release our ministry teams right now at every campus. If you're on our ministry team, would you please go to one of your stations right now? We have prayer stations. We have communion at your campus. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're a Christian and you wanna take communion, you can move to one of our communion stations and when I say amen, and you can respond by receiving communion in remembrance of Jesus. But then the last thing I wanna encourage you, you can respond by giving your life to Christ, by being saved. At your campus, there's a cross in your room. And we jokingly call that the salvation station. It's not that you come to the cross to get saved by that cross, it's that you can pray right now to receive this king and to get heaven's view on things, repenting of your sin and trusting Christ. And so if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you can respond right now by praying this prayer with me. And then once we begin to move, you can go to that cross and you can let someone know that you've just met Jesus. Would you close your eyes and pray with me right now? Father, thank you for your people who respond and the ones that will respond across the state right now. With your eyes closed and your hearts open, if you've never given your life to Jesus, but you'd like to, and you wanna respond with salvation, you wanna be saved, pray this to Jesus right where you are, even watching online. Jesus, I need your grace and I repent of my sin. I make you my king and I wanna be your child. Save me right now, Jesus. Come into my life and make me a new person. Now, Father, as people begin to move and respond across campuses, I pray there would be nothing but liberty and total freedom for people to become the kind of kingdom men and women that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.